And good evening from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm James Briarton, and welcome to the Carolina Weather Group for this October 30th, 2019. This is show number 298. Teasing ahead, we of course know that tomorrow is Halloween, and many of you are wondering whether or not it will be safe to go trick-or-treating. We have a severe weather event that will be playing out here in a lot of the Carolinas, and our guests tonight will be sharing their thoughts on that coming up as well, too. Uh, joining me on the panel tonight from Charleston, South Carolina, is Evan Fisher and Jared Smith, and our guests, Chief Meteorologist, one in Charlotte, North Carolina, WCNC Television, Brad Penovich, and the other of WFMY in Greensboro, North Carolina, Tim Buckley. Uh, they were brought on tonight to talk a little bit about their thoughts ahead for the winter weather season and ways that we can begin to get ourselves prepared. And also they come packing some good advice that we want to talk uh, about. And let me start with you, Tim, uh, because, you know, I think folks might be tuning in tonight. We're still kind of in this fading summer mindset almost where the weather has still been like in the 70s but let me just say and get your thoughts on this that's drastically about to change here pretty soon yeah it's i, I think we're going to winter mindset at least starting on friday uh, thanks for the intro, guys. Tomorrow, it's going to be another one of these muggy, summer, sticky kind of days before we have that squall line that comes through. Uh, you probably have to turn the air on one more time tomorrow. But after that, definitely going into winter mode. And with that comes all the fun things that we do in wintertime where we're checking the weather models. Maybe there's snowflakes popping up, certainly in the mountains uh, over the next couple of days. That could be a concern. Uh, probably our first real hard frost and freeze coming up this weekend, widespread across the area, ending growing seasons, things like that. So yeah, find the sweaters, find the mittens, but also pack your patience because weather Twitter and weather Facebook is about to get a little wacky, I think. As, as we get into the colder months, as it usually does. Yeah, it's going to. Potential. It's going to come on real fast, I think. And uh, Brad, you like to use the hashtag SnowOMG, if I recall correctly. But Tim mentioned it. There's a lot that plays out on Twitter. And I think that's primarily what we want to try to get ahead of this year, right? We're doing this show to get ahead of everyone stay calm. Yeah, I think, you know, this is this has been an ongoing issue for years. Um but it's starting, I think there's some checks and balances that are starting to help kind of alleviate some of this. And what I'm referring to is that the winter weather hype, I don't know what it is about winter weather. It's something about snow, especially in the mid-Atlantic, the Southeast, people just freak out about it. They love it. They want to talk about it. So even the hint or talk of snow drives people crazy. And this drives a lot of people to share, you know, long range deterministic snowfall maps. Um, and I've actually, we've had, you know, Tim and I um, are in several groups with other professionals. We have a lot of heated debate about, you know, what's, what's the purpose of sharing a 10 day GFS snowfall map? Um, is there any value to that other than to get likes, shares, and clicks? Um, I would argue without context, there's no reason <laughs> um, to post that. And one of the things that people don't understand is uh, these snowfall maps, uh, even meteorologists, I, I find, don't understand how these are generated. Um, what the ratio from liquid to snow is sleet and freezing rain counted in there. Um, all things meteorologically that play a big part in how much snow actually accumulates. So I think it's, it's, it's really misleading when we see these 10 day snowfall forecasts and, and not to name names, but Tim will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, there was a certain post about Halloween 
uh, and there being snow on Halloween like 15 yep. days ago. Um, and I had to crack up because this, this, the way it was posted was there could be snow on Halloween, but our expert says no. And I thought, well, what's the point of even posting that? <laughs> Your expert is saying no. So those are the type of things. And the reason it's important is because that gets in the back of the public's mind. Oh, I thought there was going to be snow or there's going to be this. It, it just makes us look bad. And it actually makes it harder to forecast legitimate winter weather events in the Carolinas. So I really hope that people at least will be somewhat responsible. And I'm starting to see that people kind of, they, they fell for it once or twice, but they're starting to realize like, oh man, these people do this all the time and it never happens. Um, and they're starting to look for sources. And this is just the, the state of social media, whether it's political, sports, weather deals with the same things. We got fake news. <laughs> um, we have fake weather stuff that gets sent out all the time. And it's a constant battle for us as legitimate meteorologists to try to, at least from a public um, perception standpoint, to get good information out there. Yeah, and I think we've seen it a little bit even in the scenario that is potentially playing out for tomorrow. You know, we have been warning for the last day or two now that the severe weather threat is coming and people already beginning to comment back, nah, that never happens. And I well, mean, how do, you, how do you think they're talking about your forecast, Brad, or do you think they're talking about all that hype that never happens? Well, I, I don't know. I, I'm seeing two things with tomorrow, which I find is interesting. I'm still getting a lot of people saying, oh, it's just rain. It's no big deal. And and if it was just rain, it wouldn't be that big a deal. It'd be inconvenient. You'd have to go out with an umbrella. I'd trick or treat in the snow. I grew up in Ohio. Okay. We trick or treat in anything, but this is severe weather. This is not just a little shower or even a downpour. This is, we're talking lightning threat tomorrow, damaging straight line winds, even ahead of the storms. We were talking earlier before about this low level jet. The winds are going to be howling before and behind this front. And we're talking about possibly isolated tornadoes. That, that's a situation that we don't want people outside in. If we were on the air, we would tell people to go indoors, stay away from the windows. And here we are, everybody's going to be outside walking around on wide open streets around trees and decorations and debris, everything that can get blown around. So um, I'm seeing a lot of people just confused by that. It's not just rain, it's severe weather. And the other thing is, I think people think, you know, this, our job is like to, to, to cancel their holiday. <laughs> Nobody wants to cancel Halloween, especially me. I have two kids. They want to go trick or treating as much as anybody, but as a dad and as a meteorologist, I want them to be safe. And I have no problem with saying, Hey, tomorrow's Halloween. We're going to celebrate Halloween, but let's do the trick or treat activity on a safer night or at a safer time. And if you are going to do it tomorrow, just have a plan, have a backup plan. Are you going to be able to go inside or cancel your plans? If you're insistent on doing trick or treating tomorrow, just make sure you're ready for the weather and you have some shelter to go to. Tim, let me ask you first up in your neck of the woods, are people rescheduling Halloween? So it's kind of been um, kind of a, a haphazard approach so far. Like some people have been readjusting. Maybe there were outdoor events that were already planned uh, and they're being moved indoors for that same time frame. Other communities are saying, you know what, we're not going to be welcoming trick-or-treaters. We're actually going to wait until Friday. Um, so it, it's, it's a tough thing because the timing is adjusting every day. Yesterday, it looked maybe a little bit later, more like 8, 9, 10 o'clock. Now it's looking a little bit earlier, more like 6, 7, 8, 9. And that's really like the worst case scenario for people to be outside. So I think today the message is definitely have a backup plan. But if you can, just stay home during those hours. Don't mess with going outside. I mean, we, we see falling trees all the time when the winds get up to 30, 40 miles per hour. This will be higher than that. So literally, maybe the visual that people need is what do you do if you're walking around the neighborhood and a tree falls? 
it's not rain. It's it's falling trees, falling power lines, and things like that. So I do hope more people will consider canceling. Um, I've kind of put my opinion out there today. I was hesitant to do it yesterday, but I think at this point, it's probably just not the best idea. Um, and like, like Brad was saying, you can do it another time. Uh, and hopefully there will be more people to kind of provide those opportunities that say, come over here. We'll have our neighborhood open on Friday or on Saturday or whatever the day might be. Um, we'll come back around uh, to winter weather in a moment, but while we're on this train of thought for tomorrow's severe weather event, Brad, before the show, you were talking about here in Charlotte, folks are trying to possibly reschedule Halloween, but the city of Charlotte, in this case, doesn't really have any jurisdiction here, right? So it's really kind of left <laughs> up to those individual neighborhoods. Yeah, so what you're seeing is a lot of, uh, if towns had organized events, like they have, some towns have a Main Street trick-or-treat, or they do something that's sanctioned by the city. Those, you know, the city has control of that. But as far as trick or treat in your neighborhood, that's really controlled by you, whether you have your light on or not, in your homeowners association in your neighborhood. So, a lot of neighborhoods are deciding whether they want to either have it at the clubhouse, have a backup plan, or just postpone it to another night. Um, the problem with Friday night, I'm finding for a lot of neighborhoods, is um, high school football and senior night for a lot of people on Friday night. So. Uh, some some have actually moved to Saturday night, which honestly Saturday would be great because we get to turn the clocks back. So you get that extra hour on Saturday <laughs> night. Um, so that's actually probably the best case scenario. And the other thing I was thinking, I, I was joking about this, but man, you could go buy the discounted Halloween candy now and hand it out this weekend because <laughs> it'll be half price because um, Halloween will technically be over. So there's a lot of advantages to moving it this weekend. Or as Tim said, maybe it's just a three day celebration. You trick or treat in one neighborhood that has it indoors on Thursday, you go to another neighborhood on Friday, and even Saturday, some folks will be trick-or-treating. So it might be a three-day extravaganza. But yeah, the cities, they really can't tell you what to do at your house. They can just kind of recommend. So it's really coming down to individual neighborhoods and organizations that are putting these events on to decide you know, what they're going to do. I think the indoor events are great. As Tim mentioned, a lot of malls, some grocery stores are opening up and letting people go trick or treat inside. And that's really the thing you need to think about. Is there shelter nearby? If I'm going to go outside, am I within a, a couple minute walk to get into a sturdy structure? Um, and if you are having trick or treating, you might have to have some neighbors come into your house if a storm starts brewing and you got to invite them in for shelter because that might be the closest place they can go. If let's say we get a severe thunderstorm warning or let's hope not a tornado warning at some point tomorrow. You know, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought of it's a it's a good reminder to take a mobile weather radio with you if you're ultra prepared or at least a mobile app or something that will keep you connected as you're trying to corral the kids on the street. I want to pop up here on the screen. We've had it in the double box, but uh, we have the severe weather outlook from the first Warren storm team here in Charlotte, but it does show us that broader threat across all of the Carolinas, the high threat up in parts of Greensboro where Tim is and Raleigh, and then a medium threat uh, back here in Charlotte, Western North Carolina, even areas of South Carolina, including the upstate and Clemson. And this line really extends just a little bit further east of uh, Interstate 95, but even you know the rest of the Carolinas here in that low threat. So everyone is gonna need to uh, be prepared. Let me ask a question of our own Jared Smith. He's in Charleston, South Carolina. I wanna get their perspective on this. Jared, what's the conversation? What's the buzz down there on the coast? Mm -hmm. Um, not quite as bad. We, the low level jet stays north of us. The, the, the worst of it. I mean, we're going to get some storms through, but it, they, uh, I was actually just looking at some, you know, high res data and, you know, it, it definitely seems as if it's not as big of a concern down here, which is good. Um, it'll get through a little bit later too. You know, I, I find that, um, 
people tend to wrap things up that six, seven, eight o'clock or so, and then that's it. And then right around then is when we should see the line trailing through. So we're not getting it quite at prime time. We're not near the best. Uh, we're we're not near the best dynamics there. So that's going to work out uh, okay for us. But uh, certainly something to watch. I mean, you could you, you know I mean you you don't know uh, if you know one of these uh, things can put down a gust and and you know that that could be a tree down. But I've not heard anywhere near the conversation that we're hearing uh, to, from our neighbors to the north. Well, at least that's some good news, but I think it's still going to be a very interesting few hours here in uh, North Carolina and, again, parts of South Carolina, too. I want to take the future cast that Brad had tweeted out a little while ago and make that full screen as well, too, and really show people that are watching our show uh, tonight online uh, what this looks like tomorrow as it plays out. Brad, matter of fact, why don't you talk over this and give us your thoughts since this is your future cast? Yeah, so you see that line kind of right over I-77 at 6 o'clock, and then it progressing to the east between 8 or 9 o'clock. Um, and it actually looks like that's a prefrontal trough, and the front actually forms another line um, as it moves through, probably not as strong. The real concern is that that squall line would be all straight-line winds, but there's another threat that we really won't know till tomorrow is if we get individual cells to develop way ahead of that squall line. Those would be the ones that would have the biggest potential to rotate and be um, you know, tornadic cells. And the thing about those cells, they would be flying because they're going to be moving on that low level jet. They could be moving 50, 55 miles per hour. So the warning lead times could be really, really small with some of those. So everybody could focus on their, on their radar app, looking at that big line and all of a sudden something forms down in the Midlands and comes racing up into the Piedmont of the Carolinas. And, you know, it'll catch people off guard. And that's why, as Tim mentioned, you know, it's, we look at these short range guidance. We have such great convective allowing models now that I think we, we, we think, all right, at 7.03, the line's going to be here tomorrow. It, that's not really the way it works. You got to give yourself a one or two or three hour window there. And unfortunately, that lines up in that prime time trick or treating time frame. So, you know, let's hope it slows down or speeds up. But that's that's playing chicken with the squall line with kids outside. It's just something as a dad and as a meteorologist, I am not, I, I wouldn't be prepared. I would not be comfortable when I have to make decisions for other people. It's one thing to put myself at risk. Like I said earlier today, when I'm responsible for these little human beings, <laughs> I'm going to be much more cautious than I would with something I was doing, you know, Tim, let me bring you in and get your thoughts yeah. exactly on that because Brad mentioned it. We got that squall line coming, but then you got those cells that are possible out in front of it. So what advice are you giving locally in Greensboro? I mean, basically, just like what Brad was saying, we've been preaching just to make sure you have a plan. Wherever you're going, whatever you might be doing, if you can stay home, but if you are going out, make sure to have that plan because these things will be moving uh, so quickly outside. So just the basic things we talk about with severe weather. The thing that's striking to me too, obviously we're hyper-focused on our cities that we live in and our local markets. This is a widespread area. This is not a Carolinas situation. This is an East Coast situation. You can follow that level three severe weather risk from South Carolina, I guess from my area in North Carolina, all the way up to Southern Pennsylvania. So this is all the way up into the capital region, DC's impacted, Richmond's impacted, Charlottesville. Um, you go all the way up near Harrisburg, PA. That's a lot of folks, man. It's, it's going to be a big, wide ranging cold front. Um, and we haven't really talked about this. This is more cosmetic and not as not as uh, dangerous, really, but this is a real deal front. I mean, behind it, you're going to get a 40 degree temperature drop. We could be 78, 80 degrees tomorrow, and I'm forecasting about 38, 39 Friday morning. 
that's a lot, guys. And that's going to be a, a big shock to the system uh, once we get past that. And then we'll be into, you know, as we said, winter mode. Yeah, winter really is coming. Let me bring in another panelist of ours, Evan Fisher, is in Charleston, South Carolina. Evan, what's on uh, your mind tonight? Well, storm-wise, you know, looking at Western North Carolina and Asheville, where I you know, get to call home most of the year, um, we're typically looking at the same things as Charlotte, Anne's Greensboro. Maybe a slightly earlier timeline, four to six, eight p.m. Um, but again, once again, you just you don't want to be outside in that. And even after those storms pass through. We're going to have some very high winds. And like Tim was just saying, a lot of those cold temperatures starting to just rush into the mountains um, and then subsequently into the foothills and Piedmont. Uh, so just not exactly an ideal night for trick-or-treating. Yeah, Evan, I'm curious, um, are you guys worried about flash freeze up there in the mountains? I would definitely say so. Yeah, I was just yeah. looking at uh, NWS GSP's page and they were highlighting that uh, they have this new experimental thing with an extreme risk of flash freeze. Um, over definitely the high country um, and even for the next three to four nights, even down into the valleys, getting down below freezing. But especially Thursday night going into early Friday morning, it's going to get real cold. And we probably won't see that frost happening until Saturday morning just because of the winds that we're going to have Thursday night. Um, but it's, it's definitely coming and it won't be the first freeze, but it'll be the first one that feels like winter because we'll have wind chills down to the teens. Tim had mentioned this just a moment ago, and I've got a uh, graphic to match now. Just the extent of the reach of this system that is moving through tomorrow, and I'll just say this. When I saw the enhanced go out and include portions of that mid-Atlantic and pushing towards that northeast area, I thought, wow, this really is going to get a lot of play because now you've got the national media main bureaus right in this and you know it's seeing is believing sometimes and sometimes when these big weather systems start affecting those big northeast port cities you know things really do grab the uh the national headlines uh so you have that up here on your screen as well too we're also going to be cycling on the side of our screen for those of you joining the carolina weather group this week on facebook twitch periscope and youtube some tornado tips what you should do tomorrow uh when you're out and about uh, if a tornado warning is issued. Of course, these are geared towards being in your house and getting to that centermost location, lowest level, as many walls between you and the outside as possible and away from uh, windows. But Brad, you said it yourself that folks may be out on the street and having to react fairly quickly. Yeah, and um, that's, it, it's like, like I said, it's like one of the worst like activities we could have going on um, during a severe weather event because people are out and about, they're in large groups, and they're far away from a building that they know is their shelter. So um, like my kids, the age they're at eight, nine, they'll walk six, seven, eight blocks away trick-or-treating, right? Uh, you know, I fear that a lot of people, they drive into neighborhoods they're not familiar with, and they walk several blocks trick-or-treating. What happens if there's a tornado warning and you're five blocks from a car, your car, or you're in a neighborhood you don't know, where would you go? I mean, that's what, you know, Tim and I are really harping this plan, like have a plan. Where are you going to go if there's a tornado warning all of a sudden while you're out trick-or-treating or, you know, a severe thunderstorm warning that brings down a tree or a power line. Um, and that's, you know, that's the concern because there's a lot of stuff, you know, in my, in my neighborhood, there's all kinds of decorations. That's all debris. I just look at it as potential debris when the winds pick up, um, tree branches flying around and, you know, kids in their costumes aren't the most, you know, nimble when you've got a whole get up on and you've got to move quickly. 
um, somewhere. So it's just the, the logistics of getting people to shelter in that situation is not great. So if you are going to go trick-or-treating tomorrow, hopefully the timing works out. Let's hope this system either picks up a ton of speed or slows way down and it doesn't happen during that prime time trick-or-treating. But if you are, I think you've got to have a way to get warnings and you have to have a plan. Talk to your kids ahead of time. Hey, if we see lightning or hear thunder or it's the wind starts picking up, here's what we're going to do. And don't make that plan on the fly because no one will know what to do. You got to do it tonight or early tomorrow before they head out there and just have a plan ahead of time. And if you can, you know, move it. That's the thing. It's like common sense. If you have the ability to change plans, why not do it? I mean, I just don't, you know, it seems like an easy call to me to say, Hey, if we can do it Friday night or Saturday night and you know, the kids have an extra day of fun, what's the harm in that? There really is nothing wrong with that. That reminds me a little bit of, uh, after hurricane Sandy, you know, a, a little bit different of a s- scenario, but a lot of flicks in the New York metro area did. They moved Halloween, and that was uh, a situation where a lot of the jurisdictions came out and said, curfew, no trick-or-treating yeah. tonight. Um, Tim, I, I want to ask you a nerdy science question, but we have a lot of rain that's moving through the Carolinas, at least here in Charlotte tonight. Uh, sure. And sometimes when people watch this show or might watch you on TV, they'll hear you say, well, the rain is kind of stabilizing the atmosphere. It's calming things down. So what's happening right. between now and tomorrow afternoon that's going to reverse that? Yeah, sure. And that's usually the right reaction, right? Like if you have the clouds, you have the rain, you're not able to get as much solar uh, heating of the earth. You're not getting as much sunlight beating down, which causes rising air at the surface, which causes upward motion, which is what you need to really create thunderstorms in the first place. Well, in a sense, it doesn't really matter what's happening now. Um, What's happening now is we're having a warm front kind of move northward over the area. It still hasn't really felt the soupy, sticky, humid feel that we're going to have tomorrow. So we're having a new air mass come in from the southeast, really from the Gulf area. For tomorrow, that warm front passing north of us is creating the rain that we're seeing now. There'll be a big lull in that rain tomorrow. I think a lot of people have been looking at their iPhone weather app, which for some reason has had like showers and thunderstorms basically all day tomorrow. I don't know where it's getting that from. I think most of tomorrow will be pretty dry, maybe a stray shower in the morning, Uh, but you'll have a period of, of not much going on with just winds and mostly cloudy skies. I'm hoping they're mostly cloudy, but there's potential we could get some breaks in the clouds also. And if you get that to happen, that sunshine breaking out, that's where you're going to add a little bit of an extra heat to the atmosphere, to the earth that could add a little bit of more upward motion. And that's where you get in bigger trouble, possibly uh, creating some of those discrete cells that Brad was talking about earlier. We don't want that to happen. You don't want cells to form ahead of the line because anything that's trying to spin, it's easier to do it when it's by itself. It's harder to spin when you're in a big line uniformly moving across the state. So we certainly hope that the line is um, is a line and it's not preceded by these smaller individual thunderstorms. So tomorrow, root for the clouds, maybe root for some showers if you're lucky, but uh, I think it's mostly cloudy and dry much of the day tomorrow before that big line gets here. And to add on to that, hmm. sun in this scenario is bad tomorrow. So don't be misled that if you look out tomorrow and it's sunny outside, you think, oh, it's safe to go out. We do still have some storms moving in. One last question about the storms before we bring things full circle uh, and talk a little bit more about uh, the inevitable arrival of winter. Brad, uh, we've had quite the drought situation here in the Carolinas, in Charlotte. Is there any uh, something to consider when it comes to maybe the health of those trees because of the drought and the winds we're going to get tomorrow? 
Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I I mean, I'm the the good news about the trees, it was a flash drought. So I think the trees are actually in a better state than they would be if it was a long-term drought that started like early summer or in the spring. Um, this was a flash drought and the trees lost their leaves pretty quickly. They browned out or they um, went dormant really quickly. So I don't think that's going to be as big an issue. I think probably um, a bigger issue might be the rain that we're getting today, saturating the soil and maybe uh, loosening up some of these trees. But anyone who's lived here any length of time knows it does not take much to bring trees down around here. I mean, we have a running joke in our newsroom. If the wind blows, we know what neighborhood to go to immediately that a tree has fallen down just because we have such spectacular trees in the Carolinas that it takes very little to bring them down. And this time of year, um, you know, you do get some dead branches to come down. The one thing that'll be interesting is um, the leaves, because we had such a late start to the leaves changing, um, I do think a lot of trees have much more leaf foliage than they normally would at this point in the year. Um, and you got to think that gives more surface area for the wind to grab the tree and, and, and put pressure on it. So I'll be curious to see what type of impact that has. And I just say that because every year that we have trick-or-treating, I always feel like I have to rake my front yard so the kids don't walk through the piles of leaves. And this year I don't have any leaves yet because my, my leaves are still green. Um, they haven't really started to change color here. So that's something that I would take into consideration for tomorrow, that the, the trees are much more full of leaves than they normally are. And that means more surface area for the wind to push on. I'm going to send things down to Charleston. Jared Smith, bring us full circle. Winter is coming. Yes, winter is indeed coming. It will get here eventually. Um, so, Tim, you've, I've seen this circulated around. And I actually quite like it. Uh, tell us a little bit about the rules for consuming winter weather information and um, winter weather in general in your neck of the Carolinas. Oh, gosh. So so I, I've, I call these Tim's snow rules. They could also be called Tim is grumpy when winter happens. And these are things to avoid to keep you less grumpy. Um, basically, they're, they're just rules of sanity, how to stay sane in the winter months. And uh, if you've lived here any period of time, and I'm, I'm only a 10-year Carolina person here, I'm not a lifer, um, but you, you come to understand a lot of, of kind of what it takes to get real deal snow around here. Not talking about flurries, but if you're looking for a legit system, there are a couple of general rules and a couple of general things that you got to have. Um, so I think we have my rules pulled up here on the screen. I'll just kind of go down one by one. Some of these are tongue in cheek. Uh, rule number one, it's hard for it to snow in North Carolina. And obviously we get snow every year. Um, we, we do to some degree. Last year it was only once for me in Greensboro. Uh, but you, you, it's still hard for it to snow. And what I mean by that is you need a couple of different ingredients to come together at the same time. You need a lot of moisture, number one. In the wintertime, where does moisture usually come from? It usually comes from the south. Well, we already live in the south. And when you get moisture coming in from the south, it's usually warm also. So you also need cold air to meet up with that moisture. And they're usually two competing forces, which is why we get far more cold rain in the wintertime than we do snow. You basically need a perfect setup to funnel in cold air on the ground at the same time getting moisture aloft that's still below freezing so you don't get sleep, not ice. It's complicated. That's that's rule number one. It's hard for it to snow in North Carolina. Rule number two, at least for my area and most areas too, the cold air almost always has to be here first. And what I mean by that, you're not going to have a rainmaker where it's 50 degrees and then it gets down to 28 degrees and it instantly changes over to the most beautiful fluffy snow you've ever seen. 
that's a fool's errand. And we see that in the computer models every year, especially you look at the GFS output and it'll be a big cold front like, like we're seeing tomorrow. It'll look nice and green and then all of a sudden it changes to blue on the backside. Unless you have like a crazy jet on the backside of that thing, it's not gonna happen. So you need that cold air to be here first and it's probably gonna be a mostly snow event. Um, Beyond that, we start to get into the, the model land, the computer model savvy folks will understand this, but if you're seeing stuff being shared out in social media land, that's a snowfall map in general, especially if it's three days away. Rule number three, that's just foolish. Um, please consider the source. I'm not gonna show a snow map like that hardly ever. I don't think Brad would either. Most, most degree meteorologists and folks that are responsible are gonna do a little bit more work than that for you. Um, it's usually hype. Um, number four, sleet can ruin everything if you like snow. A little tiny bit of sleet can turn a six inch snowfall forecast into an inch and a half, just like that. Um, and sleet is very, very difficult to pinpoint because it's a narrow layer of warmer than freezing air somewhere between the cloud and the ground. And it's very difficult and it's usually under forecast here, not over forecast. So there's always that sleet factor that you know, kind of can ruin things if you're a snow level, a snow lover, I should say. Uh, rule number five is just don't freak out. People tend to freak out. Don't freak out. It, we get snow every year. We know what to do. It is exciting. It can be fun. It can be a pain, but just try not to freak out. It's okay. Uh, quickly down the rest of the list here, if it's going viral on Facebook, there's a really good chance it's hype. Uh, I can post some silly things that go get shared a million times. I can post a detailed, well-thought-out snowfall forecast it doesn't get shared as much. It's just the way Facebook works. Keep that in mind. Um, the computer models put out more snowstorms than we actually get. That's rule number seven. The computer models probably forecast 50 inches of snow each year for Greensboro. We average about nine. So just keep that in mind. Um, and again, 50 miles can be the difference between something good or something that's nothing. Um, rule number nine, this is just for me. If I'm actually talking about snow, there's a pretty good chance we're actually going to get it. I hate talking about snow when it's a bad chance because people get real excited and it's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube of toothpaste. Is that how the saying goes? Either way, if you're talking about snow, people are instantly going to think it's going to snow. So for me, my philosophy is I'm not going to talk about it unless it's a real good chance. So just know that for me, at least in Greensboro. And rule number 10 is just like rule number five. Don't freak out. We'll be fine. You know what to do listen to the folks that are giving you the good information and we'll hold your hand and get you ready and hopefully get you at least one or two good snows, uh, maybe more this winter. We'll see. No, Tim, that's great. And, you know, and so much of that, you know, for those of us who are down here along the coast, I mean, a lot of those rules are very much the same. You have to have the resident cold air. You have to have, uh, for us, we need to have a coastal storm. It's really the only way it's going to happen. You know, one of the rules that I would say if I'm adapting your rules to the coast is, if you have cold air chasing moisture, forget it. You might see a flake if you're lucky. Um, we need to have a coastal storm. That's what got us that great snow in 2018. Uh, that's what got us the great, that great snow in 1989 here in Charleston. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's really just, just a whole lot of truth to that. And the beauty of it is, is that a lot of that can be compared, you know, I mean, we can adapt, we can adapt those to tropical situations. I mean, I, I, fingers crossed we're done with those now for a little while, but um, you know, is it really just good rules of thumb just in general for uh, consuming weather information and where to get your weather information and, and listening to smart people like Tim over um, uh, Podunk uh, weather page. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, but, but the 384 GFS is always right, right? But, uh, 
but yeah so uh evan um let's uh let's find out about uh brad's map real quick jared you're making me question why i moved to a, a city where there's only been two worthy notable snow events in the last 30 years uh, you're just well, really playing with me <laughs> well just because you come to college here doesn't mean you have to stay here forever not that That's we would true. want to lose you but, <laughs> i get to go um, home in december and see the snow there I guess, exactly so. see and, and i just sit here just praying for flakes <laughs> well yeah so brad you released this map that's got some you know, these little quips that are basically facts and i think it's supposed to be satirical but it's also <laughs> hilarious and very accurate can you tell us a little bit about it so uh, like many meteorologists i i have huge disdain for the farmer's almanac um because um as 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 tim correctly alluded to about things going viral it, it seems like they always forecast a cold and snowy winter every single year for every location in the US. And that's the only way to get shared. I joke with people, I said, if I, if, if I forecast a warm and dry winter, nobody would share it, but it could be 100% accurate. Um, so I kind of made this as, as a joke off of what the uh, Farmer's Almanac put out because some of the stuff they put out, it's like just useless terms. Like, I don't know what that polar coaster thing was they came out with this year. It's just like a made up term that people love. Um, so I came up with a map similar to theirs, which is crazy sayings that were kind of joking about snowfall in that part of the country. And I made jokes about bread and milk in the South and the Midwest and the Northern, uh, Northern Plains. Like how do people even live there in the winter? Um, you know, and how in Florida, like winter is when it drops below 70. And then only people in the DC area would understand this. There's the DC snow hole. Um, the snow lovers there will get this. Most of the other people in the country are like, what the heck is he talking about? If you live there, you know that the snow seems to always go around DC and there's so many snow lovers. I think DC is very similar to the Carolinas where they, they love snow, but they, it, they seem to never get it. <laughs> and so there's a joke that the snow goes around there. So I made a joke about that and, um, other parts of the country. It's just, it's tongue in cheek, but some of it's based on a little bit of fact and people that live in that part of the country. Um, tend to love it. And, and I love snow. Let me, don't get me wrong. Cause I, I my first love of meteorology was a blizzard in Ohio. Um, but like Tim, I, when I became a meteorologist and had to forecast for a living, I quickly learned as much as I love snow, I like getting the forecast right more. Um, so you stop wish casting and you start trying to get the forecast correct. I would love to take the highest outlier snowfall map and for that to be reality. But as a meteorologist, I know it's just not going to happen. Um, for every outlier too high, there's an equally low outlier on the bottom side that's equally possible. Like every time I see a, a 12 or 13 inch snowfall forecast, I say, you know, there's an outlier that shows zero and both of those have the same probability of occurring. Um, so I think oftentimes people get caught up in what they want to happen instead of what is going to happen. Um, so it, as a forecaster around here, you learn to like always kind of err on the side of caution a little bit. Not that I go conservative because if I think there's going to be a ton of snow, I will. I just know better that for us to get big snowfall, as Tim's rules alluded to, you almost need a perfect setup. Um, my favorite, my, his favorite rule is, is the snow behind the front. I don't know how many times we see that in the GFS where here comes this front and there's like snow, like a hundred miles behind the front cold air chasing the moisture never works out here. I've, I maybe have seen one event where that's actually verified and it was kind of an Arctic front after another front had already gone through. Um, come we refer to those as Anna fronts, you know, there's, there's every once in a while you'll get one of those, but it's such a rare occurrence And the GFS. For some reason, every cold front in the winter 
has snow on the backside when we know it's not going to happen. It's just too much drying back there. So um, that, that map was made for fun, but I love Tim's rules. Those are, those are the common sense things. And, and I think the more you do stuff like that, as Tim does, it really, it gives people confidence. I love when people now will come to me after they see one of those viral Facebook posts about snow and say, Brad, is this legit? And I'll say, what do you think? And it's kind of, kind of answers itself. So um, it's kind of nice when people check with you when they start seeing these crazy forecasts. <laughs> Absolutely. And somebody was just commenting on the stream, uh, laughing at the north of 85 uh, joke on, on the map. But yeah. in reality, that's somewhat true. And well, especially lived in the Carolinas for any lengthy period of time. I mean, yeah, 85 and 40 every single winter. It seems like we're talking about those as the line of, you know, rain, snow. And that's a running joke, especially in the Charlotte area. The last two or three winters, we've had not just a big, like a little difference. I'm talking like northern part of the county north of 85 has had like seven to 10 inches. And the southern part of the county has had like next to nothing. Um, And in Mecklenburg County, it's one school district for all of Charlotte. And it's pretty funny because the whole district will be closed if one part of the district gets snow. So there'll be seven inches of snow in Huntersville, North Carolina, and zero down in Pineville. And the whole district will be closed. And the people on the south side are like, why is school closed? And they don't realize the buses have to go through the whole county. If they can't get to the northern part of the county, they're not going anywhere. Um, so that 85 thing is, is kind of a running joke. But it's, I would say a lot of the time it kind of just bears out because that's kind of the demarcation of just where the cold air damming is a little deeper versus where it's a little more shallow. And I can vouch for that as somebody who lives in <laughs> southern Mecklenburg. <laughs> you step outside, you're like, it's 65 degrees and sunny and there's no school. I don't understand yeah. what's going on here. <laughs> um, Brad, I'm going to le- uh, cut you loose so that our bosses don't text us because you're hopping over <laughs> to the WCNC platforms. My, my messenger's lighting up right out with Mitzi. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing? This? <laughs> Mitzi, he's coming. Um, thank you. Thank you, Brad. And um, Tim, I know you have a few more minutes with us, and uh, then you're going to be cutting loose too. So um, let me – shift gears a little bit and move into kind of the, just the lighter conversational round table at the end of our show. Um, sure. How, how was fall up in Greensboro? Did you guys actually get any colors or did it kind of just not happen? I mean, you know, I, I think the jury is still out a little bit on our fall color. Things are looking pretty nice right now. Um, I'm encouraged that the trees are changing. They're not all going brown or anything like that. It does seem like and I, there must be a reason for this. I'm not sure of it. It sometimes seems like the best color are these trees planted in like the parking lots at Harris Teeter. Uh, I don't know why that is, but it seems like sometimes the shopping centers have the best, the best color trees. I don't know if it's the type I, of trees. This, or what. I have a hypothesis that just occurred to me. And for Good. anyone watching at home, it has zero scientific backing. <laughs> but I recently started to read a little bit about like how trees behave and the soil and all that. I wonder if it's runoff from the road. I wonder if it's like, could be oil pollution. I don't know. That, there's there's no scientific to, weight there. I'm just thinking aloud. <laughs> a lot of it has to do with the type of tree there too. Oftentimes you see maples in the yeah. the, the WalMarts in those parking lots, and those are typically very vibrant. Um, yeah. My my only background here is that we're looking to buy a house, and it has huge pine trees in the backyard. And I learned that their roots like excrete some sort of acid or something that messes up growing almost anything else so all of a sudden now my mind's like oh i guess there's like a soil science here so maybe that's a show for another time um i do want to pop up i had the opportunity this weekend to uh, go up to the mountains we went up to blowing rock we started to see some of those peak colors there this is right off the blue ridge just outside of blowing rock this is pretty much the one moment in our entire trip 
after driving all the way up from Charlotte and then all the way back down the same day, that we weren't just completely socked in by fog. This was last Saturday, uh, right before that other front came on through. It was still a very nice uh, time, and we got to see um, some colors, but it was, in fact, uh, very rainy, very foggy at times. Here's a live look at uh, Blowing Rock right now as we pull up the resort cam's camera. And once again, of course, it is foggy there in Blowing Rock, which the locals were telling me is, and maybe Evan can back this up. It's pretty regular, right, that it kind of, where it sits, gets pretty foggy in there, Evan? Oh, absolutely. And we were talking before the show that I was lucky enough to be in Asheville a couple weekends ago. And most of the weekend, it just rained and it was cold. And truthfully, it was super nice because it felt like home. Um, because it is always foggy and it is always cold and rainy in the winter, at least so it seems. I know that's not how it always is. Um, but yeah, especially blowing rock and those elevations up at 3,000 feet, they get a lot of fog. I will say, when I was there Saturday night, they were doing Halloween on Saturday night. So there could be some areas, like them, who they've had their Halloween. So that might have been, you know, good planning ahead of time, I'm sure. It seemed like a lot of places did that the Saturday before, and that was not something that I was familiar with. I never remember as a kid going someplace the Saturday before. There's this big movement now, um, not a real movement. It's like a Facebook movement, but there's a movement to change Halloween to no longer be October 31st for it to be the set last Saturday of October. Um, and it's purely a, a convenience thing. People want it to be convenient and, and all of that. But I'm, I'm the old grumpy type that's like, why, why, are you, why are you moving this stuff around? I don't know. It, it seems so to me. But that's what, there is a movement. We actually talked about it on our news like yesterday. Um, people would like it to be more convenient. So there are two things that make you grumpy. When people try to move holidays and when, it's, <laughs> when it snows. I mean, you said it before and I put it in the lower third. Tim is grumpy when winter happens. <laughs> there are many more things than that that make me grumpy. That's just the tip of the iceberg, I think. <laughs> Evan, you had a thought here, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just kind of circling back to something I said earlier in the show, talking about the front that's going to be coming through tomorrow night and then the cold temperatures. Uh, I was looking more at the wind chills after I said that, and it's really looking quite cold for areas such as Boone by Friday morning that can feel like the single digits, uh, which is more typical for January. But, I mean, it does happen oftentimes in the fall. Um, Asheville down even towards 15 degrees, uh, mid-teens. It's going to be frigid. And as we kind of alluded to earlier, maybe a few flurries in the high elevations. Um, I did see, you know, App State's playing tomorrow night at, I think, 8 o'clock. So that that game's going to be very windy. And maybe towards the tail end, those temperatures will get cold enough um, for a flurry, although I, I kind of doubt that. But especially above 5,000 feet. Some locations, maybe Rowan Mountain, Clingman Stone, uh, Mount Mitchell, Grandfather Mountain could even see maybe a slight dusting. Um, so this could be, or I think it is, the first northwest flow of the year when I can actually say snow and feel like I'm not being all dirty about it. You're not committing weather hype? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I'm going to pop up on the screen now. You guys were just talking about the cold air that's coming, and this is a look right now at this hour at current temperatures across the continental U.S. You can still see, if you're watching us online, if you're listening to our podcast, let me paint you a picture. We've got yellow and reds across the southeast, right? So that's temperatures this afternoon in the 70s, maybe pushing 80s. But then we've got this wall 
of deeper blues, the 30s and the 40s coming down from the plains, and it is just pushing to the south and east. And I think that's what Tim was talking about before, that there's, you know, big changes in the forecast ahead, and this isn't just a, a Carolina event. Uh, it's, it's something that's playing out across the, the uh, good portion of the eastern U.S. Uh, Jared, uh, you were just messaging behind the scenes here that you had some thoughts as well about what the coast could be seeing because you guys too might get some of this cold air. Yeah, we have a higher risk of Ugg boots uh, coming into play uh, later uh, this weekend. Um, pretty legit sweater weather. We've had a, we had a little taste of it a couple weeks ago, but this is uh, this looks like it's going to have some staying power, which is uh, uh, quite a relief for the people who are looking for fall. We still have green everywhere. I mean, it's, it's as if nothing has happened. I have one tree that apparently works on the calendar. And he, he's like, okay, I'm done. And he just shed all his leaves, but uh, but that's about it. But this this is uh this is uh, quite a chilly air mass uh, spreading across the area. And uh, Evan, we have a uh, we have a very interesting cold record, um, not here in the Carolinas, thank goodness, um, but over in Utah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was yesterday morning. I woke up and Peter Sinks, Utah. If I'm saying that correctly, had set a new preliminary cold record um for the lower 48 of something like minus 34 35 degrees and then woke up this morning and the temperature had fallen to minus 45.5 degrees fahrenheit um which blows me away i don't i mean the meteorology behind that must be fascinating it's definitely above my level of education um but that is alaska level cold in late october in utah i just thought that was a really fascinating little bit of weather news I appreciate you. That's uh, not nice. No, that is cold. I like you said Alaska level cold. It. I think Denver was dropping maybe to like two below or something this week. Also, Uh, I don't know if that's today, tomorrow, whatever. But um, that's real deal stuff. And getting snow as far south as like Amarillo, Texas, and Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. and these areas, uh, it it happens out there. The plain seems like a terrible place to live to me because they get everything. Uh, The the extreme on the cold the extreme on the hot they really do get it all but even still that's that's a bit early for them so kind of fascinating to watch from from the cheap seats over here on the east coast well guys it's just past the uh, nine o'clock hour i want to pop up on the screen right now a reminder that we do have a weather event that we'll be playing out here in the carolinas and across the east coast tomorrow the storm prediction center putting out that enhanced risk a tier three out of five on their storm prediction center scale stretching all the way from pennsylvania from philadelphia if you will down through dc into parts of the carolinas including in greensboro and in raleigh then a slight risk two out of five across places like Asheville, western north carolina mountains here in charlotte that extends down towards columbia south carolina and then of course would also include upstate south carolina and pretty much everyone else then in that marginal risk all forms of severe weather are in play tomorrow so we're talking about a of course, uh, heavy rains, maybe some localized flooding, but also we got to watch for winds that could bring down branches or trees as you're out trick-or-treating. And, of course, an isolated threat then for things like hail or tornadoes. So uh, I know Tim will be at work there at WFNY in Greensboro. He'll be on the air to keep you safe and informed. Brad and the team at WCNC or wherever you are across the Carolinas, if you are going to venture out tomorrow, please be weather aware, weather safe, and be informed as you're out and about because as you can see here in the future cast we're going to have this line coming on through pretty much at the worst possible time in those early evening hours after kids get home after you get home from work as you might want to be taking those kids out for trick-or-treating we're going to be uh watching this very carefully and and hopefully hopefully it doesn't become 
any sort of big weather news or anything we remember for a long time because we're going to have a lot of people out in the streets and hopefully uh, everyone stays safe tomorrow. Uh, we have one other piece of business to get to, but before I hop over to that, uh, I want to thank Tim again for his time, and we have Everett and Jared joining us on our panel from Charleston tonight. Um, any of you gentlemen have any other thoughts or anything else you want to throw in uh, tonight before we uh, close up shop? Uh, no, thanks for having me. I always appreciate being on. And um, again, just tomorrow for anybody, just make sure you have a plan. Um, I don't know that we do this enough, but I, I really think, you know, in a situation like this, is it's okay to preach personal responsibility. You know, you are in charge of your decisions tomorrow. And there's been some warning yesterday and today. If you have friends, family, you think that aren't really operating in in a safe way, shoot them a text, share a post or something. Uh, make sure they're aware too and, and just let them know, yeah, hey, this is up to you to kind of make that right decision. So um, don't be afraid to kind of send some wise words to you and yours over the next uh, 24 hours. Yes, Tim, I think you're absolutely correct. And those are some uh, good words to end on. I appreciate you joining us as well. And uh, Brad Penovich, who was with us a little bit earlier. Uh, as we wrap up tonight, uh, we want to let you know about a little uh, personal news here at the Carolina Weather Group. You may have noticed that Scotty Powell is not on with us tonight on this 298th episode of the Carolina Weather Group. And it is very unlike Scotty to miss a show. It happens very rarely. And it's for a very serious uh, reason. Uh, his mother, uh, suffered a stroke this past weekend and is still hospitalized. We spoke to him a little bit earlier, and he wanted us to share this with you because he's asking most importantly for all of you at home uh, for your thoughts and your prayers as they go through this very typical, uh, difficult time. Uh, they are here in Charlotte receiving uh, some of the, the best care possible, and we will continue to keep in touch with him and keep you updated at home too. So again, he's asking everyone uh, to keep them in their thoughts and their prayers, and uh, there is, uh, as you often do, unfortunately, see in situations like this an online online fundraiser that is taking part to help the family with medical costs or even the cost of lodging and food as you know he lives up in morganton and they are here in charlotte so they have some distance between their home and the hospital here in charlotte we will be posting that link on our website carolinaweathergroup.com after tonight's show give us a few minutes we'll get that link up for anyone who's watching live and if you're listening to our podcast uh, you'll be able to find that as well too we wish uh, her and the entire family absolutely the best we'll be keeping them in our thoughts and prayers and to all of you at home uh Scotty wanted you to know that he feels very close to all of you at home, that this is a relationship that he keeps with you all here on the air. And so he wanted to share that with you uh, in name of transparency and, and communication. And so uh, we will continue to provide you updates as uh, that becomes available. So on behalf of Scotty and the entire Carolina Weather Group, I'm James Briarton here in Charlotte. We hope you have a safe and happy Halloween tomorrow. Stay weather aware. We will have our live stream on throughout the day, uh, monitoring the conditions and the real-time alerts. We'll be streaming for you on our Facebook, our Twitch, our YouTube, and Periscope, along with some of the best of the Carolina Weather Group, which I'm pretty sure would have to include tips uh, tips and clips from Tim and uh, Brad, so you'll see plenty of their faces uh, scrolling through here tomorrow, and uh, again, we'll be back next week, same time, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time, with an all-new edition of the Carolina Weather Group. Good night.